Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios. Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear. This is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. The D. Las Vegas Resort and Casino presents Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Brought to you by Boost Mobile. More power to save with plans starting as low as $15 a month. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Pick up any of our award-winning sauces on the way home tomorrow night at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. The D. Las Vegas Resort and Casino. Home of Bar Canada. A north-of-the-border home. Las Vegas style. By OxyPow. Get our all-natural hand sanitizers and deodorizers for your equipment at OxyPow.com. Behind the mask, whether on ice or in line, we are the Valley headquarters for all of your hockey needs. By M-Drive. Go to mdriveformen.com and find out which M-Drive is right for your lifestyle. And by Summer Skates. Get your personalized shower shoes and koozies at icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the D Las Vegas Resort and Casino, is a part of the icetimehockeysw.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Rob Rothfarb. All right, welcome in, hockey fans. This indeed is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. Brought to you by our friends at the D Las Vegas Hotel Resort and Casino, right in beautiful downtown Las Vegas, right off of Fremont Street, and just down the street from that beautiful new Circa Hotel. Scott Strandy tonight, not from Arizona, not from Colorado, not from Illinois, but in the cozy confines of Lake Elmo, Minnesota. Um, my co-host is always Rob Roth, far out in that beautiful Southern California sunshine, warm weather, beaches, you name it. Rob, how are you? I am well. I am well. It's uh, 72 degrees, just like you like it, and uh, it was a beautiful 80-degree day today, and uh, I'm ready to talk about some hockey. Um, we have plenty of hockey to talk about. Um, so so my adventures have taken me around the, uh, around the country again. Um, as I mentioned, I was in Chicago over the weekend for an ACHA tournament, the Chicago Classic which, by the way, was won by the UNLV Rebels. So congratulations to them. But more importantly for us, Rob, it was held in the uh, Fifth Third Arena, the uh, practice home of the Chicago Blackhawks. And everywhere I go, whether it be Vegas, Colorado, Arizona, doesn't matter. I, I check out the facilities, and this one tops it all. Um, <laughs> everything really? It was, yeah, it was uh, opened in 2018. Um, they thought of everything. They improved everything from other arenas. They had a beautiful corner, um, coaches area slash media area. Um, they had two beautiful ice services with nice, uh, seating on both sides. And, uh, the thing that jumped out to me and, and you'll get a kick out of this, I think the music, the uh, sound system was fantastic. I put some <laughs> stuff out on Twitter. Uh, they played Chicago style music all weekend long. Uh, with the organ, like you used to hear at the old uh, Chicago Stadium. Right. And, uh, man, they just did a fantastic job. Uh, the home of the mission uh, teams in in Chicago. And uh, the, the coaches and players that I talked to loved it because there was a locker room for every team. And they could put their stuff on there when they came in on Friday and leave it there until they left on Sunday and never had to worry about lugging their bags in and out. 
at that facility for the entire weekend. So kudos to the uh, guys at Fifth Arena, Joe Carpio, and uh, those guys did a fantastic job. And a, a big thank you to uh, the University of Illinois for putting it on. And congratulations again to UNLV for taking home the title to the Southwest, which we are focused on. So that's how my weekend was. Well, I was uh, busy coaching. <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice. I, had, uh, I had three games this weekend coaching. And uh, actually, last night I was back on the ice officiating. Uh, oh, the so shoulder must be better. Shoulder it, must it, be better. It's improving. It's improving. And, and in fact, uh, the one reason my PT does not want me to do it is just in case someone cuts my skates out or something. Early in the early in the first period, I dropped the puck and guys' uh, stick was right between my legs, and I felt myself, you know, wave my arms back to hold my balance. And I was like, mm, I can understand why he doesn't want me to be on the ice. Okay, okay. thank <laughs> God you don't have PK Subban there to slew for oh. you. Oh, I know. I was I was a little worried about that. I was a little worried about that, but uh, no, I, I came through it three games unscathed, and uh, that's actually five games now that since uh, I've made my comeback on the ice of uh, for officiating. Well, good for you. That's uh, that's great to hear. Um, Thanksgiving week, so uh, it, it's always hard to get guests. The games are still going on. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm here in uh, Minnesota to spend Thanksgiving with my family, but um, also have some hockey duties. They have. Uh, the um, Minnesota State, the number one team, at least in our poll, in the country, uh, will probably get over there and get some uh, some interviews done. And then, of course, St. Thomas and Penn State are playing right here in the backyard at uh, Mendota Heights Arena in Minneapolis, or just outside of Minneapolis and St. Paul. So all kinds of good stuff. Um, and uh, and we'll go from there. But uh, we start talking NCAA, or, uh, NCAA uh, <laughs> professional hockey. I want to start with a topic that's not not fun to discuss, as always. I, I met, brought it up to you before show and a little show prep, but uh, Riley Tufty, and uh, I know before well, it's, it's fitting. It's me, fitting you're in. It's fitting you're in me in Minnesota for this story. I know, and uh, Riley Tufty, a bulldog, and I happened to run into Riley uh, when the Texas Stars played the Colorado Eagles a couple of weeks ago. Um. And uh, watched him play, and he got called up to the Dallas Stars for the first time. He played a game, I think, in Dallas, and then uh, was scheduled to play against the Minnesota Wild, his home state, his home team, where he grew up, where he went to college, uh, teams that he idolized. And coach said, yep, you're in the lineup. So uh, Riley, not making a whole lot of money in the AHL and being a, a newbie, Spent everything that he had pretty much to buy tickets. Got teammates to buy tickets, including, I believe, Nick Bukestead on the Minnesota Wild um, to get everybody there for it. An hour before game time, Rick Bonus decides, no, nah, he's going to scratch him. Okay, I know my feelings. I want to hear your feelings. Well, I didn't want to text you back because that it's a lot to it's a lot to write. I mean, you're talking about a fourth line guy from Blaine High School in Coon Rapids, Minnesota. Why is that important? Why is that important? He's north of Minneapolis. He, he was a 20, he 25th overall pick, the Stars' first round pick in 2016. He only averages five to seven minutes. They were 2-0. and oh, The Stars were with him in the lineup. They had some energy. Uh, and he was going home. And like you said, he, was, he spent all his money to make sure that his family was able to see him play his first ever NHL game. And bonus, who was a player for himself, you know, at one time himself, uh, and and probably went back to his home state uh, to play a game for the first time. 
and he benches him. He takes him out of the lineup. And then, you know, then he has the audacity to, to make up excuses as to, well, we wanted an energy. This is a fourth line guy. If you won two games in a row with a fourth line energy guy and you're taking him now out of the lineup when you told him in the morning he was going to be in the lineup, I mean, answer to it. Don't, don't just be a coward and hide behind excuses that you wanted an energy guy. They had their worst loss of the season that night. Yeah, let, let me tell you my thoughts, and I pretty much echo what you just said, except I think um, uh, it was such a classless move uh, to start with. I mean, to let the kid know, I mean, his, his friends and family were probably just coming into the rink about the time he right. found out. Probably um, right. an hour before the game, they were just getting mm-hmm. ready to go out for their uh, pregame skate and yep. warm ups. Um, so they probably had just opened the door at the Energy XL Center, um, right down the uh, XL Energy Center, I should say, uh, in St. Paul. So, so that in itself is wrong. You brought up the point that it's uh, he's a fourth line center uh, debuting. Um, he he isn't going to play much anyway, and I'm sure no. everybody knew that. Maybe five to right. ten minutes tops. Um, you also brought up the point that he was a um, uh, a guy that was in the lineup when they were two and O uh, while he was there, so that's a positive thing. I mean, there's just so many positive things that don't make sense. I now you know when I've been on the road for the last six, seven, eight weeks, I can't even count. Um, I listen to a lot of NHL uh, radio, and today somebody asked uh, one of the hosts on on NHL Network, and they completely took the NHL line and they're going like hey if you were the coach and uh your job your coaching for your job depended on it you'd put the best player in the lineup and go sorry kid and i'm going like oh come on that that, that is way down the nhl line where you just don't want any controversy which now they have more controversy because right. you know it i mean that that's just i don't know i just don't get it i don't get people i really don't i i i agree i totally agree and that's why it was just too much to text when you asked me about it uh, and I figured we'd talk about it on the show and, and I could say my piece on the, on the show, but I mean, I, I just don't understand. I mean, just, th- just think about the energy that, that, te- that kid's going to bring to this team, uh, you know, coming home. I mean, look, Ryan Suter was playing his first game in Minnesota since he left the, uh, wild. And I'm, and I'm sure that bonus had that in his back of his mind, but he's a veteran. He's grizzled. He deserves it. I mean, that those are that's old school mentality that that doesn't wash, and it's not just in this day and age. It should never wash because if a kid's coming home for the first time and he's all excited, he's told he's in the lineup. He he has friends and family that are coming into the arena. Why? Why? What? 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 In his right mind, could I? I think that's why Dallas lost their worst game of the season. They came out flat because this because this kid. Uh, you know, brought energy to the last couple of games. And then, you know, the team felt it. I'm sure the team felt the de- the dejection of this kid. And it, and it came out in their game that night. That's exactly where I was going with it. Because uh, you think about not only did some of those players also um, contribute to help mm-hmm. him get his, uh, his uh, tickets, but yep. the other thing was that um, he fractured his own locker room. You know what I mean? And uh, – I have no doubt in my mind that that would not have been a seven, not to take anything away from Minnesota Wild, but that wouldn't have been a 7-2 game had uh, things not gone the way they had. I think there was a bunch of players in that locker room that were going like, man, that was that was a bad deal. Um, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 
So, yeah, I, I just had to get that out there right away. A lot of people say, yeah, you're Homer, you're Minnesotan, you're a UMD guy. Um, no, it's got nothing to do with that. It's just got about doing the right thing. So let me tell you. I think you, you said it earlier. It's all about class. Yeah. Let, let me tell you the flip side of what that class is. Um, I watched a really exciting tournament this week in Chicago in the ACHA level. Liberty University played UNLV. They played the championship game yesterday. Um, it was hot and heated and competitive, it, it, all in a good way. There was only one penalty called in the game and only one that should have been called in the game, in my estimation. It was 2-1. to one. Um, UNLV scored uh, the first two. Liberty came back and stormed it uh, with an empty net. Uh, empty net. They scored, and then they pulled the goalie and got an empty net, uh, and they couldn't score on that. But anyway, it was a 2-1 victory for UNLV. I took the picture after the game. Kirk Candy, of course, if you know Liberty University, it's a, uh, a Christian university. Yes. And um, uh, Kirk Candy, uh, the head coach at Liberty, right after losing 2-1 to one in, a, in a very intense championship game, gathered all the players before the trophy presentation around the center ice circle for a prayer. And I mean every player, every coach from both teams were there. That's how you handle class. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's it's just, you know, I just, I feel bad for the kid. I, you know, I, I think about, you know, my, my own kids, you know, my daughter is, you know, an athletic trainer and, you know, if she gets to be an athletic trainer and comes home for the first time, if she's not working for a local team, you know, all these, all these, you know, feel good stories. And, and when a team, uh, you know, is, is muddling like the Dallas stars are, why would you want negativity? Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't a feel good story maybe pick up that team? Yeah, and that's exactly the case. And uh, the other thing of it is, is going back to, to Riley himself, you only get one debut in your home state. It only yeah. happens once. So if you make it up for him the next game, it's not the same. Because not the this same. Is one, and, and I'm not talking about monetarily. That was crappy in no. itself, uh, yeah. if I can use that word. But uh, monetarily was, uh, was a bad deal. But just the memory that's going to always stick with him um, mm-hmm. You know, when he's telling his grandkids in 30 years about it, yep. uh, he's going to be saying, you know, I, my first trip to Minnesota, I got scratched. I'm, come on. Come on, Rick. I mean, just just do the right thing. I mean, it wouldn't have hurt you um, to, to play him that night, especially when you were 2-0 and with him in the lineup anyway. And if, if it was a situation where the stars are rolling, they're in first place, and he doesn't want to juggle, you know, shake up the lineup at all, that I get. But this was not the case. This is a struggling team that's playing that's middle of the pack that just won two games with him in the lineup. Finally had some energy in the lineup. And, the and you brought him you brought him in, right? Yeah. You brought him up from yeah. the Texas Stars to be on your roster. What are you him up for? To not play him? And to scratch and, him an hour before a game? And and why and why why scratch him for the third game after two and oh? Why didn't you scratch him for the second game after they won the first game? Yeah, I mean, there's so many questions. I just thought we had to talk about it, so I'm glad we got it out there and got it out of the way right now. There's still a ton of hockey to talk about uh, on the ice, and, and things are going great for uh, for some teams and not so great for others, and there's some games in action tonight. So before we even dig into that, we're also going to have uh, our own Stephen Marsh on, who uh, has attended uh, a ton of Henderson Silver Knights games, and last night was at the uh, – um, Hockey Fights Cancer Night in Vegas. And I wanted to get his thoughts. Um, 
about being able to be in the building and experience it all because Steven takes it all in. He makes a lot of notes um, and he makes a lot of, uh, a lot of sense with what uh, he, he sees on the ice. So I think that'll be interesting. So we'll bring Steven on here in about oh, five minutes or so, but um, let me just quickly run through the games tonight as it's a, a light night in hockey, but um, the Blue Jackets got back on track with a 7-4 win uh, over Buffalo. Uh, Vegas and St. Louis are in the second intermission with St. Louis leading 4-2 in St. Louis. Um, the Anaheim Anaheim Ducks, which just keep surprising people, trailing Nashville right now 2-1 at the end of second. Uh, Colorado Avalanche, not, not yet bursting out, if you will, Rob. 2-2 in the second period, 11.57 to go against Ottawa, who's just coming off a week of COVID. Um, and then uh, Winnipeg and Pittsburgh, uh, in the second period, 13.53 to go with Winnipeg leading one nothing. So um, later on tonight, we're going to have Carolina against the San Jose Sharks. And uh, we'll get into all that in just a minute. Uh, let's take a quick break, Rob. Let's come back and let's uh, bring Steven on and, uh, and talk Vegas. And then we'll uh, get to Southern California and round up the rest of it in just a little bit. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and loaded. All right, still got it. Still got it. Who's old now? with Circa Sports. Get 24-7 access to a dynamic sports betting menu, including props, futures, cross-sport parlays, in-game wagering, and more. Sign up for the mobile wagering app at CircaSports.com. Then visit one of our downtown Las Vegas sportsbooks at the D or the Golden Gate to activate and fund your mobile wagering account. Learn more at CircaSports.com. to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by offensive ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Broadcasting from the Summer Skate Studios, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear, this is Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly. 
All right, we're back. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly presented by our friends at the D Las Vegas Hotel Resort Casino. Everything that you want in uh, downtown Las Vegas. Scott Strandy with you tonight from uh, a chilly uh, Lake Elmo, Minnesota. Uh, my co-host is always Rob Rothfarb joining me from um, a not-so-chilly Southern California. I'm jealous again, Rob. I'm, I'm really jealous right now. Well, make the move to Southern California and you won't have to be jealous. <laughs> then what would I do with Minnesota and Illinois and just have and longer Colorado trips? And <laughs> yeah, right. uh, can you just send a few uh, degrees of uh, warm weather and some sunshine this way, please? Like maybe 40. It's all I want. 40, 50 degrees. Uh, sure. You got it. <laughs> okay. I'll look forward to seeing that coming to FedEx. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's jump into uh, to what's going on in the NHL. Well, we wait to get Steven on here. He's uh, he's running just a few minutes late, but he will be here. Oh, you know what? Just like magic, Stephen Marsh pops oh, up. So let's, uh, there he is. Let, let's bring in our own Stephen Marsh from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Steven, you got Scott and Rob with you tonight. First of all, thanks for coming on and doing uh, extra duty this week. How are you? Yeah, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel there when it comes to, to guests. But, uh, no, I I appreciate uh, you guys having me on and uh, talk Vegas uh, hockey, of course, with the Golden Knights and the Silver Knights. And uh, and uh, it's been interesting with them, but uh, we'll get to that. But I'm doing well, doing well this evening. Okay, as I told Rob coming in, uh, you, you are in tight with the Silver Knights and uh, even uh, – keep a very close eye on the Vegas Golden Knights and you were uh, fortunate enough to be in the uh, the uh, press box for uh, Hockey Fights Cancer Night the other night in Vegas. So let's start right there, Stephen. Uh, how, how was that? Because you've seen a lot of things in Vegas having to do with memorials and, and dedications and things like that. So so how was uh, Hockey Night in Vegas 2021? Well, it was, it was really cool and I think a lot of the teams in the NHL are doing similar things. In fact, the Golden Knights are involved in another one tonight is St. Louis Blues are doing their Hockey Fights Cancer Night in St. Louis. And uh, it's really, uh, it was cool. They, before the game, they had people light up their cell phone lights and, and put that on. You see a whole uh, ring of lights and, and they had the moment of, of silence and, and some really passionate uh, fan you could hear saying a thing about cancer, F cancer, which I think we all can agree with. So that was, that was kind of cool. But uh but you know Vegas puts on a show, and you just you just watch the opening uh, things, the opening video montage of, of just you know the game itself, playing the Columbus Blue Jackets, and you know every time you go go to the game, doesn't matter if it's the preseason, which I went to some this year, and then you know first regular season game this year for me, and or the playoffs as, as you and I have been to Scott, and and it's uh it's it's always a show, it's always a show with with the Golden Knights, and and even if it's a middle of the road uh, regular season game. Hockey fights cancer, or just a regular season game. It's always a show in Vegas, and and I think that's why they've had the partly why they've had the success that they've had, and and why it's a tough one of the toughest places to play in in the National Hockey League. And, and Stephen, Rob, before you hop on, uh, Stephen, it's a little different this year because of uh, Coach Manny Viveros with the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, it's touched, you know, cancer touches everybody at some point in time, but it's a, it's a little closer to this program right now, isn't it? Yeah, glad, glad you brought that up. And yeah, uh, exactly right. It's uh, Manny Viveros, of course, the head coach of the Henderson Silver Knights, as you mentioned, has uh, been diagnosed with prostate cancer, and uh, the prognosis is, is going to be pretty good. You know, they, they detected it pretty early on, and he's going to be actually taking another leave of absence in uh, December, I believe, to have to have surgery, and and uh, hopefully everything will go well with that. And 
but uh, but yeah, it's it definitely hits uh, it definitely hits close to home when you have that. And I know some of the proceeds from the hockey fights cancer night with the auctions of the jerseys and other stuff that they had up for for auction. Uh, part of that was going to go to uh, a donation in his name to um, you know some cancer research and early detection stuff, which he's now obviously a, a proponent for because uh, it, you know it was really the preseason testing that they do, you know, blood work and other things that they do within the organization. And that's when they were alarmed that, of, that something wasn't right and he had further tests. And that's when they detected he had, um, you know, prostate cancer. But had he not been involved in this sort of a capacity, he said he was pretty healthy, wouldn't have really felt the need to, to get checked up. So uh, he's very fortunate in that regard. And so, uh, so, but yeah, it's, it hits close to home with the, the Golden Knights. Obviously, uh, Shay Theodore's uh, grandmother had, had cancer and she she lost her battle uh, I think a year or so ago so it's and Trey Theodore himself had had a you know a little bit of uh, had a cancer uh, you know I can't remember which one but it, uh, he caught it was early detected so it's it affects a lot of people and it certainly has affected this organization in different ways and it hopefully you know everybody's you know and it, it affects a lot of people across the the country and the world so and, uh, and hopefully one day there'll be less and less people dying from it and and eventually a, hopefully a cure for it but I think we've come a long way with it because now. You, now there's a lot of treatments and stuff, and it's not as much of a of a death sentence as as we've seen before. So, which is a good thing. Hey, Stephen, let's let's stay on that topic. Uh, with with Manny going through this, is is that a reason? And I don't want to put it all on that, but is that a big reason for the inconsistent start for the uh, Silver Knights? I mean, I don't know how I'd be if uh, I mean I would want to go through the wall for my coach, but I don't know if I would be there mentally every night with knowing my coach is fighting this. No, Rob. I, I don't think that's the case. I, I think it just a lot of it has to do with with the the the, the uh, depleted lineup. You know, uh, half of. In fact, I'm watching the Golden Knights game. I think half of the the Silver Knights roster might be on the Golden Knights roster right now. I mean, you got Paul Cotters with Vegas. You got now Ben Jones is up there. You got Lachizan. You got you got a lot of the the guys that have been key players for Henderson with the Golden Knights, and so they don't have that. Plus, Henderson himself are having to deal with some. Some injuries like with uh, Gage Quinney's not able to play. Jack Dugan's not able to play right now. Um, Ferguson went down. I think he didn't play in last weekend's games in, in Colorado, but I think he is back this week. So I, I think that's more more of the the reason for that. But uh, I think if anything, I think it's the the players have certainly are are motivated more to to do to to play for the coach and and play for them. And um, I, I think that, uh, we're seeing that because I, it is amazing to me that even even with the with the constant shuffling of the lineups for the Silver Knights, they've had to now call players up from, from Fort Wayne, the ECHL team, and, and just having to deal with the constant call-ups and, you know, to Golden Knights because of their injury and COVID stuff, that uh, it is, it's amazing to me that they are where they are. Despite, I mean, they went to Stockton last weekend and, and, and played Stockton very tough, including winning one of those games. And Stockton's a very good team. So, um, yeah, so I, I don't, I think it's more of the injuries and, the, okay. and the, it's just the constant roster shuffling that's probably um, um, led to that, but uh, but I, I still think the Silver Knights are, are, are doing quite well considering the circumstances that that they've been dealt. Yeah, I couldn't uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that is a lot to do with it. I'm sure uh, there is some effect, um, the Manny effect, if you will, because he's right. so personable and he's such a big part of that organization. But um, you know, the Golden Knights have weathered the storm, if you will. I know they're struggling a little bit tonight and. Uh, in uh, St. Louis, but you never say never, and they're playing against a, a very good St. Louis team on the road, uh, so so that's been a problem. But um, 
overall, the Golden Knights are just trying to, to tread water, if you will, and, and stay in position to make a run once everybody does come back. And we're seeing them trickle back. I mean, um, uh, who am I thinking? Um, Mark Stone is back in the lineup. I hear Pacioretty's close. Uh, He's on the trip with uh, the Golden Max Pacioretty's on the trip with the team. It is not, he's not playing tonight, I don't believe, but he will be – they're hoping to shoot for Nashville on Wednesday that he'll be back in the lineup, but he's was, getting close. He was in the pregame skate, wasn't he? But just not in the lineup tonight, Matt Pacioretty? Yeah, I think he was. I think so. I I didn't get to see the, the pregame skate, but I, but I – but he's on the trip, so I know. That. I'm looking at the lineup that I don't see him in the lineup, so he's not playing tonight. But but he's possibly he was out there for at least the pregame skate, which is a good sign that he's well, close. The, the other thing is uh, is the COVID battles that Vegas has had again after they came back from that uh, Eastern Canadian trip. Thank you, Ottawa. Um, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so they're they're kind of going through that battle as well. So Stephen, how are things COVID wise in Vegas? I haven't been there in a while. I just saw the UNLV guys, obviously, but uh, how are things there? Yeah, you know, COVID is is still a factor. I mean, it's the the numbers are are certainly going up again a little bit. Um, I think we're starting to see uh, where people that are vaccinated. I think is is the period of time since people have gotten vaccinated is maybe some of the uh, the uh, the immunity or whatever you want to call it. The effectiveness of the, of it has waned a little bit. Um, I think you're seeing people that have been vaccinated still getting COVID now. And, you know, the idea is that they're not getting really sick from it. So that means the vaccine is still doing their job. But uh, but people are now starting to get infected. So that's why now there's been a push now for booster shots and they're going to start being available for everybody. And, and hopefully people will get those and, and the numbers can go down again as we're getting towards the, the winter months. But, uh, but yeah, COVID is, is still a factor here. Um, you know, as you said, the Golden Knights have been – hit by it with the uh, three players that are, I believe are still currently in, in COVID protocol, including uh, Jonathan Marshall. So who, who I don't believe has missed any games up until this point uh, with the Golden Knights. If he has, it's been very few. He's been one of the stalwarts for the Golden Knights, uh, the, the Ironmans of the Golden Knights, if you want to say that, because he hasn't missed too many games in his history with the Golden Knights, but obviously COVID has, has knocked him out for a few games. Um, you know, so it's, it's still a factor, but you know, the Golden Knights have, have tried to, do a good job of containing it right now. It's still just the three players. They've had they've had to cancel some practices. Um, they've done. Uh, they didn't have a morning skate for one of their games. They did. They did a couple of their media availabilities uh, before the games over Zoom instead of having the media assemble in their in the, in their in their room there in their in the video room where they usually do it at City National. They did have an in person one last night. So after the game, but you know you're you're a little bit further back. So um, so they're just being being careful to make sure that it doesn't. Uh, more and I think it's still only three players, so that that's a good sign. As it's been s- several days now, so um, you know there was concern because Marcia So was at the Raider game with with Leonard at, at the other day, the other the w- other week, and but Leonard's still been testing negative, so that's a good sign. So as of right now, it's it seems to be under control in regards to the Golden Knights, but uh, COVID is certainly still a factor in in Las Vegas as it is everywhere. And uh, but uh, you know I think we just have to continue to to be smart about what what we do and and. We'll get we'll we'll just continue on and hopefully we can we can still have more normalcy instead of going back to what we had to deal with last year. Well, I just got my booster shot the other day on last Wednesday, so I'm set for a little bit. So I'm doing my I part in it. Southern California. It. There you go, Robert's <laughs> Robert's ready to go out and uh, and and rule the world again as he's he's got his booster shot and he's ready to go. Exactly. I always carry my mask though. Always have my mask with me just in yep. case needed. 
because it's not needed from Orange County uh, South, pretty much, uh, and anywhere in like the Inland Empire. <laughs> so, okay, hey, so, hey, Steven, um, real quick, uh, you know, you have a pulse of Vegas. What's what's the feeling around the team after that Jack Jack Eichel trade? Well, I think at the beginning it was some kind of uh, I don't know, probably some. Um, questions about it i think they because of the the injury of course that he has and, and, the, and the whole thing around that and and just the uncertainty and you're trading away you know you're trading away uh you know trading away Krebs, who's one of the, the top prospects and of course you had to get rid of a person like alex tuck who's well liked here in, in vegas of course and he's, a, he's an original golden knight uh, but of course alex tuck was having to come back from sort of an injury too so he hadn't been playing either um but i think as as eichel and i think the golden knights were did this by design, but he he certainly uh, made his rounds in the media circus in the uh, circuit as, as rather talking. No, circus to the is right. <laughs> circus is right. Okay, well, circus, circus, circuit, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he he said did several interviews, uh, you know, within national media and of course here locally and, and getting them. He was already out in the. He got here to Vegas and he he did the siren at the Golden Knights game the one night and he was already in the community helping out with some kids in, in a ball hockey thing, um, you know, in, a, in one of the local boys and girls clubs here in town. And, and so, you know, as the Golden Knights are, are good about that is getting the players in the community. And, and I think, you know, having Eichel speak and as well as he spoke, I mean, he, the, the way he spoke and just the, the demeanor he spoke, the confidence he had in himself and, and the surgery that he wanted to do and, and the assurance that he's going to recover this, the, the drive that he wants to, to, um, to get back out on the ice and, and be a contributing factor now to this Vegas team, the excitement that he has for being in Vegas now. Um, I think fans uh, get behind that and I think they're going to be excited for him. And, uh, you know, he had the surgery and, you know, from what the reports were, it went well. And now of course he's beginning the, the recovery process and the rehabbing hey, and everything. You, and you, you missed the part that I was stalking that, that Denver, Colorado surgery center. <laughs> <laughs> I kept roaming around the building when I was there waiting to see when Jack would be out. And he, he walked out. He walked out and started doing some exercises. Yeah, he's going to be back soon. <laughs> okay. And Don't scare him that. away. Don't scare him away. Don't scare him away, Scott. Don't scare him away. <laughs> okay, enough of that. I want to ask you about goaltending, and here's why. I watched UNLV play the best three games that I've seen the UNLV uh, team play ever. I told people start buying your tickets for St. Louis because they are going to be contenders, if not the national championship at the ACHA level. But I had a chance to visit with Mr. Zach Wixon, the six foot six goaltender for UNLV, and um, the guy that's after, like a brick wall. <laughs> yeah, and after well, they started calling him what Zach Brickson? Is that what I saw on Twitter? Uh, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. But anyway, I was asking him about being a goaltender in Vegas because you know as well as anybody that they, they practice and play uh, right next door to the Golden Knights. And I said, Vegas is getting a history for, for really good goaltenders, not only at UNLV, not only at uh, Henderson, not only with the Golden Knights, but guys in the past. I mean, Mark andre was a, was a star. And I asked him, I said, does that kind of rub off on you? So I'm asking you, Stephen, do you think uh, – at being near really good goaltenders and, and watching the, the way the goaltenders play is an asset for a guy like uh, Zach Wixon? Oh, I'm sure there's no doubt. I mean, what did he say? I mean, I think his, his perspective on it would be certainly better than, than my perspective. But uh, <laughs> well, well his, 
his his comments were, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, yeah. he watched Mark Andre, he watches Robin Leonard closely, uh, even Logan Thompson and those guys. And uh, Vegas is becoming um, he he's becoming a fan favorite. If he wasn't already, he's becoming a fan favorite for the Golden or for the uh, Rebels. And uh, Vegas likes their goaltenders, don't they? Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And uh, you certainly saw that with Mark Andre Fleury. Of course, I think fans are still kind of uh, trying to get over that uh, that trade that they made. Uh, but Robin Leonard has certainly stepped up to the task and has uh, has had some great performances. Uh, uh, Bossois, when he's when he's come in, he's he's been good. And you know, he's he's uh, you're right. Logan Thompson is uh, people are real, love Logan Thompson there in, in Henderson and. And even you know even Dylan Ferguson, who's been on the roster for Henderson this year, he's he's had some good starts. But yeah, UNLV that even trickles down to UNLV. You know, you you talk about uh, a few weeks ago, uh, the Golden Knights needed an e-bug, and they called upon a former UNLV goaltender to kind of be involved in a in a morning skate uh, as an emergency backup, and that would be um, Eric Idison. So you know, you look at somebody that played some goaltending here at UNLV, and you know that that connection between UNLV and and, and the golden knights and occasionally knocking and say hey you know we we need somebody that can step in and and you know be be in the net for for our practice or for the for a morning skate and because um, one of the all the other goaltenders not he's going to rest up and and so they called upon eric idison who's who played goaltending here at unlv and he got to be he got to have that experience of being out there on the ice with some, some nhl players and um so that there is a big that that that's part of that relationship between unlv and and the golden knights organization and 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 other opportunities, and I think it's happened before too. I don't think that was the first time that that that's that's been the case with the with a UNLV player being involved in in that sort of a thing. Or so it's uh, certainly uh, and and people just come to love goaltenders because they're such a key part. They're such a key component of any team, and and you, you got to have good goaltending. And 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 the Golden Knights have have done a good job of of having that and, and the depth there between the Golden Knights and, and Henderson. And and uh, yeah, I think people are still getting over Flurry, but. But Leonard, I think people are starting to really uh, appreciate what he brings to the roster, and of course, what he's the uh, openness that he brings, of course, with, with the mental health thing, which is a whole other aspect of, of of that. I think people come to appreciate them. I know there's the detractors, and still always will be, but but I think people really uh, appreciate that. And of course, he was very vocal about the Eichel thing too, and so Eichel, you know, is excited to play, play with uh, Leonard again. So, um, so yeah, that's that's long-winded answer, but yeah, I think definitely there there is a. a there is certainly there about being in Vegas and, and being a goaltender here, whether it be at UNLV or wherever, and, and having that uh, that connection to the to the city and certainly to the organization. Well, let's let's talk about uh, the tightness of, of Vegas of the Golden Knights. Uh, it trickles down obviously to Henderson, uh, but with the with Vegas struggling and knowing that there's going to be a rust a little bit of a rust overhaul, I'm hearing names like Riley Smith, a lot of the long tenured. Uh, Golden Knight. I mean, what's the feeling around the team as far as knowing some of these guys that have been with the team for a while might not be there come trade deadline? Yeah, that's the sixty-four. That's the uh, multi-million-dollar question because uh, you know right now it's it's working out because uh, they have these injuries, so they can put some of these players on on long-term injury reserve. It's no secret that the Golden Knights really play the they get the team right up to right up to that cap, and right. and that's going to be. An, and that's going to be a, 
that's going to be an interesting uh, dynamic and situation. You know, every the Nyquil trade was happened, and the Kelly McCrimmon had the press conference. There's always somebody asking that about how does this affect the cap and stuff. And of course, Kelly is always, you know, say, well, we'll we'll have it figured out when the time comes. Well, the time is going to come, and right, and, uh, and they're going to have to, <laughs> and there are going to be some moves that are going to have to be made. And I, I think you're right. I think you're going to have to see another uh, a long term player uh, go because they're going to they're going to have to keep it keep it within the cap. But you know, one thing that we're seeing during this whole thing with right now is that the, the depth of the organization is is strong. And I think that's one thing that when this team has been the history building it from scratch, we've they've pride on having good depth. And, and now we're kind of seeing that now is we're getting these, these players from the AHL having an opportunity to play and, and uh, seeing, you know, what, what the future holds and right now. And yeah, it's going to be tough because there are going to be some tough, tough decisions to make. I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if a, if another original Golden Knight does end up having to to get traded, um, just because of the, the, the money thing, um, and whether it be at the trade deadline or or even at the after the season's over, that's been the, the really the biggest thing is, and I think they have to me. I think they would have to make a move just before the season's over with. But if if they are able to to keep the players that they have once they all come back healthy, and they don't win, and or they have to make a move anyway. But I would think even after this season is over with. There's definitely gonna, there's really gonna have to be some more moves because then you're gonna have Eichel's, you're gonna have Eichel in the factory, you're gonna have all these high paid players, and it's just not gonna be a lot of, there's gonna have to be some decisions to be made. So I, um, that's that's just part of the, you know, the the history that Vegas is built of trying to be a, a really perennial contender and and uh, after five seasons and trying to to get that that Stanley Cup and. It, it's going to be fans. It's it, every off season. It seems like the last few years. It's it's hold your breath and and fans are put through the ringer because big moves are made and players go that people like and uh, and I think we're going to see part more of the that business, to come. my friend. It's, it's all part, part of the, of the hockey business, as you've said, Scott, yep. to me before. It's all part of the hockey uh, business, and yep. and I think fans are learning that, and that's just another part of the, the the youngness of this team still is that fans are starting to learn that it is a business too, but it doesn't make it any less. Uh, hurtful because of the way um, you know these play- these fans get uh, attached to these players and, and what they bring to the team and uh, but okay see. so so let me do this uh, hold on one second Rob Steven if you want to stay with and, and keep talking uh, NHL with us you're more than welcome to if you need to run we understand that as well but uh, Rob and I need to talk about uh, some of the other teams uh, in the uh, uh, NHL Pacific Division and the uh, AHL uh, of course, division, of course, they can. can't be in all Vegas all the time. Uh, yeah, we got to give some love to the other teams. I, I just wanted to get your your opinion because you were there. You're in the building, and we appreciate the Vegas Golden Knights accommodating, yeah. getting you in there. So, no, oh, it's uh, nice. I felt it's, it was it's, good it's, to be able to chat about it. Sometimes it's a tough it's a tough ticket in the press box to get a spot in there, oh, and not on the absolutely. ticket to get into the game. Um, there were some other events going on over the weekend in Vegas, so I might have preoccupied some uh, might have freed up some seats for for me to be in there. But uh, but yeah, we're always appreciative of the Golden Knights PR staff for for getting us in, uh, being able to give us a spot up there and to, to, to check in on them from time to time. You know, even though we, we, I focus and we focus more on, more on the AHL on Henderson, at least for, from the Vegas side of things. But so, we, but now that half of Henderson is with the Golden Knights, it's almost kind of like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. like it all, it all ties in because the one, the, the fourth line right now is all Henderson players. So I mean, yeah, I get it. Know, I get it. So, okay. So, so hang in there and, and uh, we'll, we'll ask you for some comments, but, Rob, we're approaching 20 games. Um, that that usually is a quarter of the season, quite close to a quarter of the season. Uh, right. A lot of people talk about American Thanksgiving as being uh, the deadline to, to, to kind of tell you 
uh, what teams really are. So, so I'm going to just go rapid fire with the eight teams in the Pacific, uh, give you their points, and uh, and let you uh, run wild with it. I know I told you Southern California, but feel free to jump in on any of them. So, um, Calgary on top at 27 points, Edmonton 26, Anaheim 23, Vegas 22, the Kings 19, San Jose 17, uh, Vancouver 14, Seattle 11. Um, Accurate? Going to change a lot? Going to change a little? Uh, well, first of all, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Edmonton for one reason. Stuart Skinner. Came from the AHL, was was a good goaltender, in the, a really good goaltender in the AHL. He's posting uh, great numbers. Uh, in fact, uh, when Smith went down, Koskinen stepped up to a 2.96 goals against average and 9.10 save percentage. Most teams would take that. You know what Stuart Skinner said? Hey, buddy, hold my beer. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a 9.59 save percentage and a 2.08 goals against average. Uh, so the AHL is showing that goaltending is important. So I just wanted to uh, piggyback to what we talked about with uh, goaltending being important in Vegas. It's important in other aspects as and other teams as well. Uh, but no, I think Vegas is gonna make a run. I really do. Uh, they've just been playing two mediocre. Uh, for my liking and for everybody's liking, I, I, there, there's a run in them. Uh, I don't know if Anaheim can, can t- continue to be as strong. Will Troy Terry continue to score? Uh, I mean, he's just been amazing. That's an amazing story right now with Anaheim with their young kids and what they're doing. Uh, That's pretty much a whole – Anaheim's pretty much a San Diego uh, goals alum, it, alumni team too. <laughs> Right and they now. just called up two more guys, and Letary and uh, one other guy. I forgot who the other guy was that they just called up uh, the, from the, the goals too. Uh, so they're even more of a goals flavor on Anaheim. But they're a, they're an exciting team. They're a fun team to watch. Uh, they they skate. Getzlov is like the found the fountain of youth uh, playing with Terry. Uh, but I I don't know if the Kings could hold as well as they're playing. Uh, they're struggling in the last few games. They're uh, on. In the month of November, they're, I think, playing around 500 right now. Uh, San Jose, they're about 500. Will they continue or will they will they uh, sell off some of their pieces and, and will cause them to fall? Uh, Vancouver, I talked about their goaltending situation, and I don't think, as well as Demko's played, I still don't think that uh, they have the goaltending to compete in that division. And then Seattle to Seattle. Can I just say one thing? And I'm just going to use, sure. I'm just going to reference one t- one team here: Calgary Flames. Daryl Sutter. Do I need to say more? <laughs> no, just <laughs> leave it at that. I, if he, can I mean, they've had how many? Together, I think they've had, I think they've had like nine shutouts or something this year. I mean, that's a Daryl Sutter team to a T right there. Well, they've only given up 36 goals. Yeah, that's ridiculous. They played 19 games, giving them 36 goals. That's just. Uh, yeah, but they, have, they have a plus twenty-seven team, goal, right? a plus twenty-seven goal differential. They have right now. Yeah, they almost have a goal differential better than their goals against. Okay, and one thing we know is Daryl Sutter's got a track record. You saw what he did with the Kings. Both of you guys uh, know the Kings pretty well from back yeah. then. Um, so I don't think they're going away. Can they win the Pacific? I don't know, but I don't think they're going away, and it's- I think they're going to be a really hard out in the playoffs. It's so weird because the, the the league is you want to say that the league has changed. It's more scoring now. It's more open stuff. But but yet that style of play, the way he coaches, the way he t- gets his teams to get, 
it's still it's still a factor, and it still provides uh, teams a, a hard time, and he's, it's uh, in the mix. And uh, you know, eleven three and five that's that's a pretty good record. And so maybe the style that he coaches in the team, there's still uh, there still can be that in the NHL. I, you know, Stephen, Stephen, listen to this, Rob. What wins in the playoffs? Goaltending. <laughs> he's, he's like a trained Pavlov's dog. But, I have but, to but, ask him. But you know what else? You know what else wins in the playoffs? <laughs> Winning in the other building. And the Flames are nine two and two on the road right now. They're only two one and three at home. They've only played six games at home, but they're showing that you know their type of play is sustainable because it wins games on the road. Yeah, and one of those wins. And Paul, Paul Hornsby would love to hear this. Spoiling the uh, the opening night for the new yes. UBS Arena in Long Island, New York, there in Belmont yeah, but, Park. But if it gives, if it makes Paul sad, I'm happy. <laughs> I knew that was coming. That was just set up on a tee for you. Even with a bad shoulder, you could have hit that one 100 yards. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, so let's quickly talk about a couple of other teams that in in our coverage area. The Colorado Avalanche. Um, a lot of games in hand. They're uh, they're the 14 games played right now, playing their 15th tonight. But eight five and one, starting to get a little bit healthier. Um, Colorado going to be there in the end, or uh, is this just another year where Colorado looks good and then fizzles? I think, I think honestly, this is the best thing that could happen to Avalanche. Let them just muddle along right now and everybody forget about them and not focus on them. They're not going for the president's trophy. They're not maybe battling for the division. Although, I mean, what do they have? Uh, 17 points and the leader has 23. So, this might be the best thing for the Avalanche. They could just and focus four games on. in hand, I might add. Yeah, exactly. So they could they could just play them play their game and, and continue doing what they're doing and just slowly climb the ladder. And people will be talking about Minnesota and that and the feel good story or, or Calgary or even the Rangers, uh, all these good feel good stories. And then Colorado could sneak up on people. You know, you don't think of a Colorado team sneaking up on people, but just let, less focus on them is better for them right now. Stephen, tell me about the Arizona Coyotes because I know you follow them as close as I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I know that they, they've won back-to-back uh, games, overtime games. They're up to four wins on the season, and they're only a point behind Seattle for, for second to last place. So um, they're maybe not, they're maybe they're not the, going to be the worst team in the NHL here really soon, at least record-wise. As, uh, like I said, they, they are neck-and-neck neck with Seattle for the, uh, the coveted ninth spot in the uh, – in the standings, but uh, uh, will they get more wins than the Arizona Cardinals football team? That's the question. The, Car- the, the uh, Cardinals the uh, won again yesterday. Cardinals won again yesterday, so that's another win now that they'll have to, to climb past. With still, don't, don't put a- too much pressure on the Coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Okay, so I don't know if you guys saw last night's game, but I think it's worth talking about. The Coyotes won in overtime. And against the, the LA building, Kings too, against uh, the LA yeah. Kings too, which and, we talked about a minute ago, yeah, was struggling every, a little bit. Everybody in the building knew that goal by Kyle Capabianco, who, by the way, is uh, the nephew of uh, behind the mask owner Randy Exelby. Uh, everybody knew that that hit the the twine and came back out, and yet the uh, <laughs> the Kings kept playing and the officials let them kept playing. Have you seen that before, guys? In overtime. Where, uh, where they just uh, kept on going, even though it was a good goal. Nobody sounded the horn or nobody hit the light or referee didn't signal goal. Was well, that odd or what? Well, as, as officials, you're supposed to let the play go until you – if you don't know for sure – like it's funny because last night I actually had a kind of a situation like that uh, where I thought it hit the crossbar. The 
uh, lead official uh, said it went in, and I had a defenseman confirm it went in. So he just had a better angle. So sometimes you're better off letting the play go because you could always go back and review it and say no goal. But if, if someone scores in the interim and it is a good goal, you don't lose that and you don't lose the play. Yeah, well said. I, I was thinking that same thing, though. I'm going, like, what happens if the Kings go down? Because uh, basically the Coyotes are celebrating in their own zone. Uh, what if the Kings go down and score on that 2 on 0 and and it's a good goal? Now you got to go back and take that goal off the board and add back the one that you should have called in the first place. I mean, to me, it was just a strange uh, set of circumstances. Well, it's like it's no different in football where they try to tell the official let to play if it's if you think it's a fumble, let it be a fumble. We could always pull it back, but you can't give the touchdown back if it was a pick six or or fumble recovery for a touchdown type of thing. So I don't have a problem with them letting it play out. Uh, get the call right is the important thing. Steven, your thoughts on that? No, I think I think Rob's right on. He's he's got some some officiating uh, experience there, so he knows how it goes. But uh, yeah, that was that's kind of a strange thing. But I mean, if I think you're, I think you guys have kind of kind of said it. I mean, if 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 the puck, if there's a question about it, and you don't know, and the play can continue, continue the play, and then yeah, you can go back and and review it uh, later on and and change it if if need be. We see that sometimes with. With offsides, you know, I mean that's that's a different situation because it's it's called out it's it's challenged after the fact a lot of times and it or if a goal does go in and, it, and they go back and review then they they just go back and put the the time back on the clock at the point that it scored so that I mean that happens on occasion where they they it's a questionable at the time they don't call it they let the play continue and they go back and you know and they think it goes in they they look at it later on and uh, after the play is over with and then they they realize it was a goal and it's it, then they put it on the board so it's it happens on occasion. So, but in and overtime, if, yeah, that's kind of strange. Yeah, and the teams know that, and the teams know that, that that that's always a possibility. That if there's a controversial play and the play continues, that and they score, that it could be taken off the board. But where, but the strange part is, if a penalty penalty occurs, that stays. I believe okay, so, that. So let me ask you this, Rob from yes. from from officiating in a game where it's a sudden death. I uh-huh. mean, we all know it's going to go back and be overturned because it's going to be reviewed. But uh, you got two fan bases, right? And in this case, uh, the Coyotes were playing in L.A. If L.A. scores on that 2-1-0 and, uh, and they think they won, the fan base is going to go nuts. As right. an official, you, you don't have to like that part of it when it's a sudden death, I'm guessing, right? I don't think you really have to worry about it because you have the, the rules to back you up. So you don't have to really worry about it. The bottom line is you want to get the call correct. You don't want to be, be the reason a game sways one way or the other. Since when are officials worried about what fan bases think anyway? I mean, they, <laughs> they're always there's always somebody that's not happy with the with the officials anyway. So always. that's why it's always, always a thankless job because it's it's they get they're they have such an important key part of the game, obviously, but they're always they're always cursed at and yelled at yep. by the, the by one fan base or the other. But usually the it's the uh, home fans if they don't like something that didn't go against their team or whatever. So, uh, you know, it's all, there's always going to be some of that, but I think as an official, you're just worried about doing your job and making sure you get the call right and, and, uh, and doing that. But, you know, if you look back at the, the situation there, you got to continue to play though. You know, as I said, if the coyotes think they score right there and they're celebrating and the Kings go down and, and, and have a two on O the coyote, if they don't call it right then and then you got to get back and, and continue on with the, the play because maybe they, it doesn't, go your way for some reason and then right. play to the whistle. Yep. Play to the whistle. Right. So that, 
Yeah, I mean, what what happens if if they didn't have a good angle to show that the puck went in in re, for on replay, and the Kings would have come down and scored because they were celebrating? Always play to the whistle, and all teams know that. Uh, but it just sometimes you just know something's a fact, and you know whether the uh, video replay will show it or not. You just hope, but. It, it would have put the Coyotes in a tough situation and a lot to answer if they would have come if the Kings would have come down and scored and not and the review not been held up for their for their actual goal. Yeah, good point. Okay, I want to ask you both quickly before we end the show here, um, your thoughts on Vancouver and Seattle. So, uh, Rob, first on Vancouver, um, what's going to happen there? Uh, are we going to see heads roll? Are we going to see uh, major changes coming up? Are they going to turn it around? What's going to happen with Vancouver? I don't know. They just they just seem like they're a train wreck right now. And uh, I mean, Demko's been standing on his head and doing everything he can to help that team. They have no scoring. They don't have primary scoring. They don't have secondary scoring. They don't have tertiary scoring. They don't have scoring at all. Uh, and the and the Kraken. I you know I'll say like I said it when they went through their expansion draft. They didn't. They had two nice of a guys and Ron Francis running that draft. He could have done what George McPhee did and held teams up and really made his team a team to contend with coming out of the gate, and he chose to take the long route. Uh, maybe it worked for him in Carolina, but he's not seeing the fruits of his labor in Carolina uh, help him because he's now in Seattle. So I just I just don't like the, the way the direction looks for uh, Seattle. I don't think they took advantage of the situation. And it's not just being exactly like George McPhee, but just, they could help their team more, I think. Stephen, your thoughts on Vancouver and Seattle? Well, I think I'll just touch on on Seattle. I think the Vancouver point was was touched on pretty good, but the, but Seattle, I'll just add that um, you know I think a lot of the teams and that we just recently went through an expansion draft with the Golden Knights and the, the mastery of of McPhee and and how they were able to to construct that team together, the deals that they made and and uh, to 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 get players to not take. The other players from the expansion, other teams, I think, got figured it figured it out because it had been a while since there was an expansion draft and the rules and the process. It was kind of a new a new thing since um, with the Golden Knights because it was like the first new team in forever. So, at least in a couple of decades. So, or I guess a little bit. But anyways, anyway, so this was a new process. But then now five years later, you had you had Seattle coming in. I think people people I think the the GMs of the other teams and knew how to maybe not make it so they they're not held for ransom so much that as they were before with Vegas. And I think that limited Seattle in some ways to of what they could do. And, and there wasn't the opportunity to, to get really good players um, as they've had, but you know, and I think, so I think it's just, it's, it's, it was tough to, it was always going to be tough to replicate what, what Vegas did. Um, sure. Seattle probably could have put themselves in a better position, but uh, you know, maybe down the road, they'll, you know, give them, they're going to take the long route and maybe in a few years from now, they'll, they will be a, a good team and, you know, and they'll have their moment, but it's not going to be right now. It looks like. So, so I take it from both of you that you both figure seven and eight is a good spot for both of them to finish in the Pacific. Yeah. I mean, both, both teams are equally bad minus 16 goals against, and it all starts with goaltending. But if you don't, get some pucks in the net. Like I dealt with it this weekend. My, my team in three games scored one run. You can't, I can't hit, I can't swing the bat for these guys. I can't. So if you don't score, you're not going to win and you can't win every game two one. Yeah. Good point. Steven, you think the same thing? They're both going to finish seventh and eighth in the Pacific. Yeah, it's certainly, 
it's certainly trending that way right now. And what the one thing that's surprising too about about Seattle is that they did get a, a good goaltender in uh, in Grubauer, but he hasn't really been the same Grubauer, I guess, that he'd been in, in Colorado. Maybe, Maybe he some of that it's is the playoffs already. It must be. Well, <laughs> oh, did I say you know, too soon? Too soon, guys. Our part of, our part of that maybe is is the the personnel he has around him. Uh, you know, so but we'll see what happens. But I I think they're going to be towards the the bottom for sure. Okay, Stephen Marsh, appreciate your time. I, I will talk to you Wednesday night as we prepare for the Thanksgiving holiday. And uh, Rob, um, job well done as usual. Uh, we will say uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and let you take your read and take us away. Happy Thanksgiving, Stephen. Happy Thanksgiving, Scott. I appreciate you guys, uh, and I appreciate Stephen you coming on tonight. Uh, the D Las Vegas Resort and Casinos Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Summer Skates. Fall, winter, doesn't matter. We still like to keep our drinks cold. Get your personalized koozie or shower and shower shoes. Go to icetimehockeysw.com slash partners and click on the Summer Skates banner. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casino, whether it's the Long Bar or the Andy Amo Steakhouse, we are more than just great gaming action. Book your spot at dd.com. Boost Mobile, where all the plans include a mobile hotspot and America's largest, largest 5G network for less. By Behind the Mask and BehindTheMask.com, where we can provide for all your hockey needs on the ice or in line. See the, see the website for our three Valley locations and more. Jesse Ray's Barbecue at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, where despite how long it takes you to eat your meal, there's so many delicious choices, it always seems that like it takes you longer to decide what to eat than actually eat it. Buy M-Drive, supplements to fuel your drive. Refuel your drive with M-Drive. The D Las Vegas Resort and Casinos, Professional Hockey, Southwest Weekly, and all of Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app. Available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and on the TuneIn app. Hey, Alexa. Turn on my ITHSW podcast. Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, presented by the D Resort and Casino, is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. All right. Very well done. Guys, thanks again so much for jumping in on uh, Thanksgiving week. And uh, like I said, Stephen, you and I will be online uh, Wednesday to uh, to break down the uh, ACHA uh, Chicago Classic Champions, the uh, UNLV Rebels. Also got a special guest. I think we're going to have the head coach from Liberty, Kirk Candy, joining us on Wednesday. And, uh, you know, I'm going to give a shout-out right now to Kirk because uh, he did a fantastic job. He lost a 2-1 game, but what a class act he is. And uh, to be able to round up the troops, do a center ice prayer afterwards after a 2-1 championship loss, um, nothing but, but class for Kirk and agreeing to come on and talk hockey and, Talk what we're thankful for on Wednesday night. We appreciate it. And there's some big news uh, that the ACHA dropped down, too, with some new teams that are going to be joining the Division One ranks. So we'll touch on that on Wednesday, too. <laughs> Don't say anything until Wednesday. That's what I said. That's why I said. There's a, that's a tease. That's a tease All for right. Wednesday. All right. Good night, everybody. We'll say good night. Little Roger Klein, the Peacemakers, De Niro. Tune in tomorrow night for College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Paul Hornstein and myself on Tuesday night talking NCAA hockey. Good night, everybody. <laughs>